and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyden, and I'm joined today by Dr. Hannah-Marie Lunder, who's a consultant neurologist as well as conducting her own research at the National Competence Centre for MS at Hawkland University Hospital, Bergen in Norway. And we're going to be talking about Hannah-Marie's recent paper in the JNMP, which is this month's Editor's Choice, free to download. And it's looking at survival and cause of death in multiple sclerosis, a 60-year longitudinal study. So, Hannah-Marie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. My first question is asking about, in, in chronic disease such as MS, why is cause of death study so important? Well, when diagnosed or being faced with a chronic disease such as MS, emotional distress, concerns and questions regarding the burden of disease will arise. One of the major concerns that patients often express at some stage after being diagnosed are concerns about life expectancy. Questions such as, will I die from MS? And how long can I expect to live? Are commonly asked questions. By being able to answer these questions, survival studies on the natural course of MS, estimating life expectancy from birth to death are essential. From a physician or researcher point of view, these studies are important in order to provide reassurance and evidence-based knowledge to the affected patients and the patient's close families. Secondly, survival and cause of death studies provide a basic foundation for future follow-up studies to assess the impact of disease-modulating therapies, comorbidities, and lifestyle factors on life expectancy and causes of death in MS. And thirdly, apart from analyzing and estimating expected lifespan in MS, providing information on causes of death in MS are of paramount importance, as it describes the health profile of an MS population. Also, Cause of death analysis can be used to evaluate the impact of preventive interventions and represent a common endpoint for epidemiological and clinical trials. So briefly, we're going to go into the the nitty-gritties in a second, but briefly, what did your findings or what did your study show? What we found in this longitudinal 60-year follow-up study on survival in MS was that a median life expectancy in MS were about seven years shorter than in the general population. 75 years versus 82 years in the general population. And in stratifying life expectancy according to gender, we also found that women with MS had an expected five-year longer life expectancy than men with MS, but slightly higher mortality rate when compared to the same gender in the normal population. And by stratifying life expectancy according to disease courses in MS, we observed that MS patients with relapsing remitting MS survived longer and had lower risk of death than patients with primary progressive MS. Also, when comparing results to the general population, we observed that younger onset patients had higher mortality rates than when compared to older onset patients. And overall, what we found was that the mortality risk in MS was almost threefold times that of the general population. But even so, during the six decades, we found an encouraging improvement in survival in MS. You've got a kind of mixed results there in terms of the mortality and survival of patients with MS. One of the key findings that I certainly picked up on in the paper is that the patients with younger age at onset had a higher, uh, higher mortality than patients with an older age at onset. And I just wondered if you could talk us through that a bit and, and what you speculate may be the cause of that or if there's anything in the literature to suggest anything about that particular finding. Yeah, this is very interesting and also very important finding. And I think most likely... The major cause of the increased risk of dying observed in the younger onset ages contra the older onset ages, when, of course, uh, compared with a similar age and gender group in the normal population, 
would be attributed to fewer competing risk at death in younger age groups. With ageing, there will be more competing risk at death, both in the MS population and in the general population. In other words, the prevalence of other diseases, such as heart disease and cancer, rises with age. Hence, the gap in mortality in the MS population compared to the general population will decrease with ageing, as these comorbid disorders affect both populations. Also, when having survived to an older age before having onset of MS, the gap in mortality in MS contra the general population would be decreased as there is a limit to how long we can expect to live. And moreover, older ages at onset of MS could tell us something about the underlying nature of the disease in some individuals. MS patients that have onset of MS at older ages could possibly have had subtle signs of MS for many years, despite referring to a specific onset date at an older age. And that could also possibly imply a milder, less severe course of MS in some patients. And then the mortality gap would be smaller in MS compared to in the general population. And by the way, I have to say this question is a very important question because it gives rise to another, at least two additional currently unanswered questions. One, do younger onset patients die of other causes than older onset patients? But because of the limited numbers of diseased and the limited numbers of various causes of death, we could not do such an analysis. But it would be very important to find out if a cause of death such as suicide would be more commonly observed in younger onset patients than in older onset patients. Hopefully, we are able to look at these types of analysis more closely in a future follow-up study. And secondly, would prompt initiation of disease modulating therapy after diagnosis of MS decrease mortality in younger onset patients? And one placebo-control intervention study has already shown this. And based on that, and on numerous other studies that have shown to slow down and decrease MRI and physical disease activity with early initiation of MS therapy, these studies underlie the importance of starting individualized MS therapy as early as possible after onset of MS. Absolutely. So it sounds like there's two things there. I mean, targeting the patients at a younger age with the disease-modifying therapies and then also being, I suppose, it sounds like potentially cognizant of other reasons, um, other interventions that could be useful, particularly if there's other things going on, to cause other types of death at a younger age. Yeah, it's very important to find more uh... No, it's a, it's a very important question, um, and one of the key findings I found that that struck me in your paper, certainly something worthy of further investigation. Another thing was also about the gender differences that you found in the study. Um, could you tell us a bit more about those differences that you found? That is also a very interesting finding because we observed a five-year gender gap in women with MS versus men with MS but also the same five-year gender gap was found in the general population. If these results are replicated in later studies, what it shows are possibly that the underlying causes that make up the difference in life expectancy among genders in the general population could be the same underlying causes favoring life expectancy in women compared to men with MS. In other words, there is a possibility that MS itself doesn't affect the gender difference in life expectancy and that we would have to find explanations for the gender gap in life expectancy in the general population. And if we look at the general population, leading explanations for women's advantageous life expectancy can be divided into three categories, biological, social, structural, and behavioral. And from a biological standpoint, women are offered some protection against mortality. In studies that show that estrogen helps protect women against heart disease by reducing levels of harmful cholesterol, whereas testosterone could increase low-density lipoprotein. But 
Biology alone cannot explain the gender difference in mortality, since this relationship differs over time and across nations. Those more recent research have focused on social and behavioral factors to help explain the gender gap during the first three quarters of this century. First, due to improvement in prenatal and obstetric care, a substantial drop in female mortality at young ages, particularly childbearing-related deaths, have been observed. Secondly, also the social and economic status of women relative to men has risen in industrialized nations, and women's health has benefited from these improvements. And thirdly, gender differences in health behaviors make an important contribution to male disadvantage in mortality. Some behaviors favor men, for instance, exercise, but men drink more alcohol than women, and they also smoke more. And men are also two to four times more likely than women to die prematurely from injury, homicide, and suicide. So the gap is largest when measured at birth, but it shrinks dramatically with age. In other words, if men live to the age of 65 and even 75, their life expectancy approaches that of women of the same age. But on the contrary, despite finding the same five-year age gap in gender life expectancy in MS compared to in the general population, women with MS had slightly higher mortality rates than men when compared to the respective genders in the general population. And most previous studies have found the same results as ours, and that also warrants further investigation. However, the observed mortality difference between genders has been very small, though, and are therefore inconclusive as of yet. What else did you find about primary progressive MS compared to relapsing remitting MS? Were there any distinctions or differences there when thinking about survival and mortality? Yeah, it was, and it was very interesting. And we found that patients with the relapsing remitting uh, MS, outlive patients with the primary progressive uh, by seven years, actually, both genders taken into account, 78 versus 71 years. And also patients with the primary progressive MS had significantly higher risk of mortality than patients with relapsing remitting MS. And this observed difference in life expectancy and also mortality among disease courses could possibly be related to the numerous options of disease modulating therapies that has been available for patients with relapsing remitting MS for decades compared to in primary progressive MS. But this is only a theory of mine and as of yet I have no certain evidence-based facts to fully explain this difference, but it truly is a difference. And then finally, you said that um, one of the main findings of yours was that increased life expectancy um, in patients with MS, irregardless of gender and, to my understanding, the type of MS or anything like that. Um, How much are these sort of aligned with changes in global life expectancy as well? Yeah, well, according to the World Health Organization, a global increase in average life expectancy have been observed for the past 50 years. However, large differences in life expectancy still exist when comparing industrialized versus developing countries, different nations with different health benefits and social structures and different gender. For validity purposes, when analyzing survival and life expectancy in this MS cohort during the last six decades, we compare the results to the general Norwegian population with a very similar or the same demography, geography, social and health structures. By and large, the observed increase in life expectancy in MS has followed the increased life expectancy in the general population. But when comparing the results to the previous 50-year follow-up study from the same hospital population that could only observe a trend towards an increase in survival, we found an overall significant increase in survival during the entire 60-year observation period. That implies that the gap in survival and slash life expectancy between MS patients, according to general population, has begun to decrease. And these results are encouraging 
and with the continuous development of disease-modulating therapies that have been observed in recent decades, the survival gap in MS contra in the general population will hopefully continue to decrease. Absolutely. And so it sounds like there, there are some positive findings coming out of your study in terms of an upwards trajectory, hopefully, um, for patients with MS and, and these disease-modifying therapies that are actually actively increasing the life expectancy. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, um, Hannah-Marie, for joining me today on the podcast. So, of course, for all the listeners, your paper is available for free download on jnmp.bmj.com. Um, and it's looking at survival and cause of death in multiple sclerosis, the longest longitudinal population study of its kind. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, there's actually another study now, a Danish study, that also has a 60-year longitudinal population study. But apart from that, both the Danish and Norwegian studies are, so far, the longest studies. Uh, follow-up studies that have been performed to date yeah so important findings there in the JNMP and yeah thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me about your work yeah thank you and thank you all for listening